This is Rick Lee James, and the music you are hearing is from my new album, Thunder. The title track, Thunder, is a never-before-released song by the late Rich Mullins. There are also 12 other tracks made up of original music, hymns, and readings to guide the listener on a journey. You can buy Thunder today on clear vinyl and CD, or stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, and almost every other music streaming service. Thunder, hear it today at rickleyjames.com. Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, a songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is where I discuss music, movies, books, pop culture, theology, and more with friends, colleagues, and sometimes just by myself. Now make sure to let me know what you think of today's episode by leaving me a review on iTunes or by tweeting at me, at Rick Lee James on Twitter. And please join my mailing list at rickleejames.com, where you can receive an email every time a new episode is released. And by the way, in case you're interested in a daily dose of kindness and encouragement beyond this podcast, I also run the Twitter account, at Mr. Rogers Say, where I post daily quotes from Fred Rogers, one of the voices in my head. Well, I guess that's it for the intro, so sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of Voices in My Head. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I'm your host, Rick Lee James, and I'm so grateful that you are here with us today. As we begin, I want to let you know that today's episode will begin with some staggering statistics about human trafficking, and our conversation on the show today will focus on that subject matter. So, really, at the very beginning, before I begin, I just want to make everyone aware of the sensitive subject matter that we may be discussing today on the show. Thank you again for listening, and we pray that today's episode will be a great help in the fight against injustice that is human trafficking. According to a recent study funded by the Department of Justice, the average age of young girls forced into the sex trade in America is approximately 16 years old, and though estimates vary, as many as 21,000 child sex slaves or children who are trafficked may exist in the United States alone. Well, my guest today on Voices in My Head is Dr. Jeff Brodsky. Dr. Jeff is a world-renowned author and a global expert in the field of anti-trafficking. Through his years of experience and vast knowledge, he has shared powerful, potentially life-saving messages to people of all ages. On July 19, 2010, Dr. Jeff began living totally barefoot to show solidarity and bring awareness to the plight of children being held as sex slaves around the world. He has now been barefoot for nearly 10 years. In his ministry, he has led 10 101-mile walks across Death Valley, performed as Snuggles the Love Clown, and in 1983 rode a bicycle from California to New York City. In less than 90 days, at at 67 years of age, after two heart attacks, Dr. Jeff will embark on another cross-country bike ride from Disneyland in California to Disney World in Orlando, Florida on April 1, 2020. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, there is no one on record who has attempted to ride a bicycle that far in bare feet. 
Dr. Jeff Brodsky is here today to talk all about this and more. Dr. Jeff, welcome to Voices in My Head. Well, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to share with your listeners, Rick, and uh, it's my uh, honor and pleasure to be here. Well, thank you. It's going to be really great to have this conversation with you today. I think it's a needed and necessary conversation. As we begin, uh, you've been going barefoot, as I said in the intro, for nearly 10 years now. Would you mind sharing with us what motivated you from the start to begin going without shoes and why you've continued? Sure. And you know, to let your listeners know, when, when you say that I've been uh, totally barefoot, I have not had a sock on my feet, my feet now in a little over nine and a half years. Hmm. Um, I have been uh, totally barefoot. Uh, no matter where I go, as a matter of fact, outside, it's uh, snowing right now. Oh, wow. Uh, where I live at 9,000 9, feet elevation in the mountains of Colorado. And um, I, it was July 19th, 2010, as you mentioned. I was actually at a garbage dump in the mountains of Colorado. Uh, excuse me, in uh, the city of Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Mm. Um, and we were... Uh, working with other ministries, feeding uh, children in the dump. We were actually, I was working with another ministry that was doing that. Uh, my uh, goal there was searching for children that were, that were at high risk of being uh, snatched by predators and sold into the brothels. Uh, so these children actually live in the dump uh, because mm. that's where the fresh food is. You know, garbage trucks will come and dump the, their trash, and the children and adults will converge on it to try and get the freshest food for them. Mm. So, but while we were feeding them, um, we noticed uh, there were probably about 20 or so children uh, of all ages. I mean, some of them as young as probably four or five years old. And we noticed that um, almost all of them were barefoot. And that doesn't paint a picture of what I experienced when I saw that. You mm. know, people have to remember that I was standing in the middle of a garbage dump. There was uh, trash everywhere. The smells were horrendous. The sludge and the grime. And, uh, it was just hor horrific. Mm. And here these children were barefoot. There were a couple of them that had old flip-flops on. But when I got to my hotel room that night, Rick, I couldn't get the picture of those bare feet out of my mind. And I talk to God all the time when you do the work that I do, rescuing child sex slaves. Mm. Um, it's a very, very dangerous work, um, and you have to be in constant prayer. And I was talking to God in my hotel room, and I felt that he was impressing on me to live barefoot in solidarity with trafficked and impoverished children for one year. Mm. And I thought, wait, how can I do that? I, I live at 9,000 feet elevation in the mountains of Colorado, and I travel. I, I mean, I travel to places like Alaska. Uh, last year, I was in Alaska five times. Wow. Uh, one time that I was there it was 19 below zero, and yes, I was barefoot. Hmm. Um, and I thought, what would I do in the in the winter, and um, how would I, you know, do this? Mm -hmm. And God assured me that as long as I used wisdom and I wasn't foolish that he would take care of me, and I just had to be extremely cautious, especially with the weather patterns, where I walked and how I walked. And So I made the decision that I would do it. 
I, I thought, okay, I think I could do this for one year. And I, everybody thought I was out of my mind, um, my poor wife especially. <laughs> um, but she knows that when I make a decision to do something, uh, you already shared some of the things that I've done with walking across Death Valley, 101 miles, the first bicycle trip that I took um, 37 years ago. And if I make a decision to do something, she knows I'm going to do it. And uh, people ask me all the time, what do you do in the winter? I tell them I get cold feet. Um, <laughs> but, you know, after that first year, on July 19th, 2011, Rick, I was the happiest man on earth. I couldn't believe that I actually went for a full year. And I mean not a sock on my feet in mm. a full year. And I wake up between 2 to 3 a.m. every day, uh, seven days a week, uh, no alarm. It's just when I wake up. And I... I put a uh, pair of socks on my, the ottoman in front of my couch. I woke up that morning. I sat down. This is what happened. Um, some people believe it and some people probably don't, but this is exactly what happened. I put my left foot on the ottoman. I took the sock, put it on my toes, went to pull it on my foot, and I could not get that sock past my toes. I don't know what happened. I don't know if God sent an angel to have a tug of war with me, but I could not get them past my toes. And I just cried out to God and I said, Father, what do you want from me? I just went for a whole year barefoot. And that still small voice spoke to me in a way that only God could. If you were in the room, you wouldn't have heard it. But this is what he impressed on me. These words verbatim. He said, keep going. Those children are still out there. And I made the decision that as long as, because when my wife woke up, the first thing she did was she looked at my feet and said, "Hun, I thought that you would have had your socks on by now. Mm -hmm. And I told her I tried. And she said, what do you mean you tried? And I told her what happened. She said, what are you going to do? And I said, "Hun, i I'm going to keep going barefoot. And she said, for how long? I said, until one of three things happen. God speak time to stop. The last child is rescued or I'm dead. Hmm. I said, as long as my book going barefoot will motivate even one person a year to action in a way that would help me to rescue even one more child a year, I would go barefoot for the rest of my life. Hmm. And I've been barefoot ever since. I never went barefoot, Rick, to do it as any kind of fundraiser. It wasn't until the third year I did it just to raise awareness, to make people aware of the mm -hmm. plight of children that are trafficked for commercial sexual exploitation, children that are forced to be child sex slaves. And when I say child, we have rescued children from brothels. Uh, you don't have to paint a picture for your adult listeners to mm -hmm. know what happens in a brothel. But we've rescued children from brothels as young as four years old. Oh. It is the worst crime perpetrated against a child since the dawn of creation. Hmm. My goodness. But it was, I had spoken at a church in a little town in Coshocton, Ohio. And a few days after I spoke there, their youth pastor called me and said, Dr. Jeff, you really motivated the uh, young people here. They want to do a fundraiser for you. And what they decided is they'd like to walk a mile barefoot in solidarity with you. They want to call it the Barefoot Mile. Is that okay? Hmm. And I said, well, sure. I thought, what a great idea. And they did. They invited me to walk with them. And I did. I went back there. I had no idea how much they were going to raise. 
Well, they raised $13,000. Wow. And I thought, oh, my gosh, there's something to this. Maybe we should look at having these barefoot miles. We've now had them all over the world, especially here across America. As a matter of fact, this Sunday, uh, excuse me, next uh, Sunday, I'll be in uh, Phoenix, uh, Arizona, uh, doing uh, the Arizona Barefoot Mile. But uh, there's one at Wesleyan College coming up. Uh, next month uh, in North Carolina. Uh, I speak at colleges and universities and schools and civic and social organizations, men's groups, women's groups, um, churches. I I can't even count how many churches I've spoken in. Um, Universities. and um, It's incredible how this has been used as a tool to motivate people uh, to action. And it's been wonderful. As a result, we have rescued literally thousands of children um, ever since I started this uh, barefoot journey and we've rescued them with funds that were raised from doing these barefoot miles uh, which is really incredible because I'd never I never knew that uh, this was going to be used as a tool uh, for that purpose Hmm. That is that is powerful. I'm I'm so <laughs> I just want to praise the Lord for hearing those good stories and the way that you're being used and um wow, that's that's just a powerful powerful thing. I I wonder, you know, while we're talking about this subject, um it was only a few years ago, probably within the last 10 years that I even became aware of the sex trafficking industry that there even was such a thing that existed as this. And I know more and more um, there are reports that come out on television shows and different things like that. But I would say probably, by and large, a lot of the public still doesn't understand a lot about the way that the the sex trafficking industry works. I, I wonder if you could maybe enlighten us a little bit. What do most people not understand about the sex trafficking industry that they probably should understand? Well, first, I think it's important that people know that what tends to happen in a so dirty, so evil, so heinous, it's almost like the three monkeys that you see with the see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Hmm. People don't want to hear about it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to see it. Uh, they turn a blind eye to it because of how evil um, it is. Um, but if it was one of their own children or if it was a child that they knew, um, could be a neighbor, could be um, a niece or uh, what have you, it doesn't matter, or someone from their neighborhood. Uh, I mean, just just three days ago here in my town, here in Colorado, uh, people think that this only happens in third world countries. It happens all over the world, including America. America has now been listed as the number one country for child and teen world. This was just a few days ago. Um, This is from the UN TIP report, which is the United Nations Trafficking in Persons. And uh, America has been uh, designated as the number one place for trafficking, uh, for child and human trafficking. Mm. Uh, But I think that's what the the biggest problem is, Rick, is that people want to turn and they just turn a blind eye to it. Now, a lot of people, when they do hear about it, they become so incensed that they say, I I have to do something. What can I do? Um, Well, you can't just do what 
what I wanted to do in the beginning when I first learned about this probably about 15 years ago. Uh, you can't go undercover. I, w I used to go deep undercover into brothels searching for children. I would go with hidden cameras and I would get the footage of uh, young girls that were in their minors, bring it to the police. And then by the time I would get to the uh, uh, police and they would get to the facility where the brothel is, um, everybody was gone. Oh, my. Uh, and that's because of all the corruption. Places like India, um, wherever it was, where it could be anywhere. Asia, Thailand, uh, Cambodia, Laos, Burma, Vietnam, um, all of these uh, places um, that we would go to. And there was so much corruption. And I remember this one time I was in I was in India. I was there for uh, several weeks, uh, went undercover several times a day with the team that we have there. And we probably had visited at least 50 brothels where we got footage, brought it to the police. They would do raids one after another. And every one of those raids resulted in zero rescues. Hmm. And I remember when I got on the plane and I was flying home and I was in tears and I said, Father, this is not good. Something's not right. Hmm. I, there has to be a better way. And it was during that flight that God showed me the way, the proper way to do it. We were doing it wrong. The way to do it was to train special anti-human trafficking police units that we would help to develop for the countries that we worked in. Uh, we'd ha we have now our director of uh, global police training and tactical operations is phenomenal. Hmm. Every officer in the country of uh, Cambodia right now with the anti-trafficking unit there with the AIM SWAT team with uh, Gape International Missions that we work with there. And it's, it's resulted in uh, over a thousand rescues just in that country alone since we mm. started doing that. And we realize that when we do it this way, where the, uh, we are training the police to do it, that's where uh, you not only have a rescue, but you have the arrest that's made as well. Mm. If you don't get the uh, traffickers arrested um, prosecuted and convicted, then you're, you're just spinning your wheels. You're just perpetuating it. So when the police are doing these rescues now, this is what we have found to be the most successful. Well, I, I wonder how it has become so prevalent when, when we know most of us, you know, when we hear about it, when we see evidence of it, and you've even said it's, it's such a dark and disturbing thing. I wonder how it becomes so prevalent in the world when when it seems like the average person is so turned away by it and so turned off by it, but it obviously is is something deep and dark. I'm just wondering your thoughts as to, to how sex trafficking has become so prevalent. I think it's a, a couple of reasons. One is the Internet, uh, pornography on the Internet, which is so... Um, children uh, they can type in words that they are searching for not even for sex but it will bring up sex uh, they can type in a, a, the word uh, teen uh, friends and all of a sudden they get um, 
sent to porn sites. Hmm. It's happening younger and younger. That's why we must, absolutely must be aware of what our children are doing on their cell phones. The cell phone has become the number one purveyor of um, pornography. Um, mm. it, there's more porn through your cell phone than any other source right now, um, even more than computers, because the cell phone is so easy to hide it. Uh, as a matter of fact, if people go to our website, joy.org, uh, we have a bunch of free information. I mean, dozens and dozens of pages of free information um, for parents, especially. Uh, just go to our parent pages, and they can download so much information to help protect uh, their children uh, from uh, pornography, the Internet, and, and how to be made aware of what's going on and how the predators are getting into our our children but I think the internet and pornography is one thing and the other is how um, how it's right now the fastest not only is it the fastest growing crime but it's the most lucrative for the uh, gangs for organized crime they're seeing that they can make more money with um, uh, trafficking a teenage girl, 14 or 15 years old, uh, than they can with drugs. Wow. Uh, for example, let me give you an example. If I were a drug dealer and I have a customer that wants drugs, I go to my supplier, I buy the drug, I mark it up and I sell it to my customer and I make a profit on it one time. If it's a 14 or 15 year old girl, 16, 17, whatever she may be, I can rent her out an average of 10 to 15 times a day, hmm. every day, seven days a week for an average of five to seven years until she's no longer desirable and then she'll either die of disease or she'll um, no longer be desirable so uh, you just get rid of her, sell her to a lower brothel um, or you know whatever. Usually they'll take their own lives um, but, uh, or like I said, die of disease or um, overdose or a customer that isn't pleased and they'll beat her to death. I can share stories that would mm. absolutely destroy uh, your your audience with the, the truth of what's happening. It's in, most of the stories are in my book. Uh, yeah. Some of the things I just couldn't share on uh, on radio like this. Sure. Um, I, I have to be very cautious just uh, because of the sensitivity of some of the listeners. But they could get my book, The Least of These, and uh, they can see that, uh, it, the, the, the actual things that are happening. But organized crime are seeing that with one girl, they can make an average of two hundred to $250,000 a year. Hmm. Well, you have a stable of 10 girls, and you're a multimillionaire. So, and plus, if you get caught selling the drugs, you can go to prison. But if you get caught selling the girl, then what's going to happen is you have to make sure that the girl is not going to testify against you. And in mm. most cases, they won't because of fear. Mm. The, the predators know with fear. You don't do what you're told. I know where your mother uh, uh, works your siblings, I know where they go to school, you don't do what you're told, then your family is dead. They mm. use fear tactics, tactics because they know when they own a girl's mind, they control her body. 
Well, I, I do want to share briefly about your book, and, and I want to let all of our listeners know that on our website as well at VoicesIntoMyHeadPodcast.com, I'm going to make sure that we have links to all these materials and the website that you referred to earlier. Um, but you do have a book called The Least of These, where you go more in-depth mm-hmm. about some of these stories. And you also have a book for children, too, um, right. called, called Why Are You Barefoot? And I, I wonder if you could um, help us understand a little bit how you talk to children about a, a subject like this, because I know that, I mean, children are the ones that are often in danger, um, and yet mm-hmm. to try to help them understand, um, like, for instance, they're children in our own home. We want to help them understand how to be safe and, and how mm-hmm. we can help. How, how do you talk to children about things like this? Well, that's a great question. Very good question. I, cause I remember I was invited to a school, um, and I was invited, invited to speak to the whole school. Well, uh, there were, uh, two different sessions, one for middle school and high school and one for elementary school. And I thought, okay, the, the middle school and high school, easy to talk to. Um, I can share things with them that how am I going to, what am I going to share with uh, children in elementary school, you know, up to, uh, you know, the age of say 11, 12 years old. How can I share with them about the work that I do? And I remember I was really nervous. And I thought, God, what am I going to share with them? And it wasn't until the morning that I was going there that God gave me this entire scenario, mm-hmm. uh, almost like an object lesson. And I thought, Oh, I think this could work. And I remember when I got up there, um, one of the first things I said was, boys and girls, do you think it'd be a good thing or a bad thing if your mommy sold you? Mm. And they're looking at each other like, what? And I said, seriously, there are pl- places all over the world where parents will sell their children. Do you think it'd be good or bad? Anybody think it would be good? Mm. And I, then I said, you know, you learn about a lot of different nations here in the school. We're going to go to one right now. Are you ready? We're going to go on a trip right now. I mean it. I said, this is the nation we're going to go to, the imagination. Hmm. And I said, I want you to imagine. And then I painted this entire scenario in in a way that a child could understand. And I remember when I finished, the principal came up in tears, and he was barefoot, took off his shoes and socks. He told the, the uh, children that uh, the school was going to go barefoot for a day in solidarity with me and that he asked everybody to just bring in one dollar. And what was interesting is this is what he said to me um, after the children were dismissed. He said, Dr. Jeff, I was so nervous having you speak to the elementary age students, but uh, the teacher that invited you assured me that you would be very discreet and you were. He said, what you just did with those children would make a great children's book. And that's how the uh, children's book, uh, Why Are mm. You Barefoot, was born. Wow, that's terrific. Well, I, I have a special interest in that because uh, I also, um, I'm, I'm a, a huge fan of, of the work that Fred Rogers did uh, in his mm-hmm. life. And I actually host another podcast called Welcome to the Neighborhood, a Mr. Rogers Tribute Podcast. And oh. one of one of my very favorite um, 
Fred Rogers quotes is that anyone who helps a child in his life is a hero to me. And uh, he was all about helping children in, in so many different ways. And I have to believe that if he were still with us today, he would be a great advocate for you and uh, and be helping in, in the mission that you have today. And uh, I just so uh, uh, thank you for what you're doing. Uh, just getting to know more about you in these last couple of days as I've been reading about you and uh, finding out more about your story it, it makes me just want to dive in find out more and find more ways to help now I know that you said that there are some more resources that they can find and, and I believe the site you said was joy.org is that correct mm-hmm. yes um, joy.org is our website great well I, I want to make sure that everybody really does go to that joy.org site and finds out more information uh, and if they can that, that they they need to get the books as well and uh, I, I I'm gonna get a copy of that for our son as well my son is seven years old and uh, you know he's he's at the age where the world really hasn't wounded him yet um, mm-hmm. and and I want him to have a compassionate heart and and a heart that's open to children around the world and that are in need but before we finish our our discussion today and again thank you so much for your time uh, I just want to inquire again about this bike ride that you're getting ready to do um, and and it's going to be a, a cross-country bike ride from what I understand you're going to be starting at Disneyland in California and ending up at Disney World in in Orlando Florida I believe could talk That's to us correct. a little bit yeah tell us a little bit yeah. about that you know I must be out of my mind <laughs> I'm, 60, I'm 67 years old I've had two heart attacks and um, I had ridden a bicycle across America in 1983. Um, so I know, I know what it takes mentally to do the bike ride. And I, and, um, I actually wanted to do it when I was 60, but, uh, that was, that would have been double the age when I first did it when I was 30. But that's when I had my first heart attack. Hmm. Um, so I thought, okay, that's not going to work. And after a, a few years, I had a second heart attack a few years later, but I've gone now probably about, probably about four or five years now, uh, with where I've been uh, fine and I've uh, gotten myself healthy and I checked with my doctor. I checked with my cardiologist. He uh, tested me, put through put me all through te- all these different tests and, uh, he gave me permission to do it. And I said, because I told my wife I wouldn't do it unless I got permission from both my doctors. And um, so I've been training now for several months. And in actually, what, uh, two more months, I'll be on April 1st, I'll be getting on a bicycle, the entrance to Disneyland, and I'll be riding it to the entrance of uh, Epcot in Disney World, uh, hopefully about 60 days later. As a matter of fact, I just found out today that, Mickey Mouse is going. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, you. I apologize. Disney. Uh, I'm sorry, you cut out for just a second. You said you found out today that Mickey Mouse, and then I lost you. I didn't hear what you said after that. Yeah, I found out that Mickey Mouse will greet me uh, when I arrive at uh, oh. Disney World. Uh, oh, terrific! I'm hoping to. I'll be riding to the entrance of Epcot. Um, because Epcot is, uh, you know, where they have all the international pavilions. So I thought that would be a good place for me to uh, end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll take me, I'm, I'm hoping to do it in 60 days or less. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot will depend on, you know, the weather. I'll be doing uh, the southern route from Disneyland in Anaheim. I'll be going from there to uh, 
um, Tucson, Arizona, uh, well, Phoenix, and then down to Tucson, to El Paso, Houston, New Orleans, uh, the southern route along the uh, Gulf. So the weather patterns will play a big part in, in um, you know, me getting there. But sure. uh, and my my health and and I am going to do it barefoot. I've had mm-hmm. several people said it's not possible. Uh, my my team was obsessed with it. Well, it's not that they were concerned. They know me. They know I'm going to be doing it barefoot no matter what. But uh, they they were the type. They're the type of people they want to see. Has anybody ever done this before? Mm-hmm. And they contacted Guinness, and Guinness uh, told them that if I do this. I would be the first person on record to ride a bicycle coast to coast barefoot. Oh, wow. um, there's, there have been a number of people that said it's not possible uh, because of the blisters and all. But mm-hmm. you know, I've been barefoot for almost ten years. Yeah. So I, I, I think I'll be able to do it. Do you, um, I'll give it. Do you have any any sort of special uh, modifications, maybe to your pedals on your bike that you'll be using to kind of help a little bit I with do. that along the way? Uh, Yes, I do. I have, uh, it's like a neoprene, uh, that I purchased, uh, that I've now wrapped around the pedal, ah. uh, to make it, uh, softer for me. It'll still be a little rough because I can't have a strap on my foot. Um, I can't put my foot in a toe clip like you mm-hmm. normally would for long distance rides. So it'll make it a little, you know, harder for me pedaling. But, uh, that's when I, what I've done. And it's so far, it seemed to be where it seems to work pretty well. Oh, um, I'll be leaving this week for Phoenix because I can't ride outdoors here in Colorado. It's snowing as I speak. And, um, uh, wow. I'll be going down to uh, Phoenix for a few weeks to do some training there. And by the way, you said that you're in Toledo. We're going to be having a barefoot mile, not in Toledo. It's down in um, uh, Dayton. Oh, uh, we're well, going to be doing a barefoot mile d- down in Dayton. I'm not sure of the dates there. It, that would be on my website. But I know that we were contacted by a group in Dayton. But I'd love to have one up in Toledo. Well, yeah. Well, you know what? I actually uh, live very close to Dayton, and uh, Toledo is a little bit further away from me. But I'm I'm within 25 minutes from Dayton, and my brother-in-law actually lives there. So uh, I may have to see about oh. coming and trying to be a part of that. That's wonderful. Uh, well, that would be great. Well, I know it's sometime that sometime in uh, 2020, but I know that that. Uh, I was told that we're going to be having one in Dayton. Uh, my first barefoot mile was in the little town of Coshocton, Ohio. Mm. That's where the first one was. Wow, that's terrific. Well, just one other question, I think, before uh, we end our visit together today. Does anybody ride along with you or maybe meet up with you at certain parts of the trip just to ride along and keep you company? No, we I, I, we do have a... Um, a support vehicle that will be, you know, riding along uh, to make sure, you know, just in case of accidents. Uh, also, uh, you know, a place to sleep because it'll be a motorhome. Um, but other than that, no, I won't be riding with anyone. I'll be riding alone. Helps us well, to I know. I won't be alone. The, the, <laughs> be with me. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you for sharing. And that helps us know how to pray for you, too, on the journey. And uh, we're definitely, those of us, hopefully lots of people who are listening today will get on the website as well and find out more how they can help and and educate themselves more on this very important topic. So, Jeff Brodsky, thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week. I I really appreciate it. And people will go to our website and just click on the 
the uh, barefoot bike ride uh, link, uh, they could see how they can sponsor me. And even it was even if it's just for a penny a mile, which comes out to thirty dollars, uh, whatever they can do to help, um, that will help us with uh, our uh, efforts in rescuing more children. That's terrific. Well, we wish you the very best. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Rick, and bless you. Thank you for joining me here this week on Voices in My Head. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleejames.com where you can find out more about me, get my music on vinyl and CD, follow my blog, and even schedule me for a concert or a speaking engagement. Better yet, even a book signing in your neighborhood. You can find all that and more at rickleejames.com. Also, it would mean a great deal to me if you could write a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast will be online. And now, for the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you, and thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Give it a try today.